I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. He finds Rafinha. He's got space to turn. Jao Felix Lewandowski. And Cancelo ahead of him. He's found Joe Felix. There's a chance here for Joe Felix to score. Joe Felix has done exactly what he wanted to do. He has scored against Atletico Madrid. It's Barcelona 1, Atletico 0. Joe Felix with his second goal of the season. Hello, everyone, and welcome to La Liga Lowdown. It's match day 15. We're almost halfway through the season now. I'm Matt Clark. I'm delighted to be joined by Paco Pollock. Paco, what a fantastic weekend we had. Yeah, very interesting. Uh, actually, with many, many things to speak about in the following minutes because uh, we just uh, finished only uh, a while ago the the massive game between Barca and Atleti de, de Madrid, which was uh, very entertaining. I think it was one of the one of the best of the of the league so far. Plenty of pace, you know, uh, moments of of domination by by both sides. Uh, the first half was, was Barca's. Your Felix scored with all of the spiciness and controversy uh, which is going to follow in the in the next few days. And also had to be Atleti in the, Yeah, in the second half, Atleti improved quite a lot, and Iñaki Peña was the savior. So. Yeah, plenty of, of things to speak about in, in the next few minutes. Well, let's stick with that game then, because like you say, a very important game the in the top four race or potentially for challenging for the title with Real Madrid and Girona locked at the top. This was a, a massive game. If you know The loser really would have been cut quite adrift as it is. Barca got that crucial 1-0 victory, the uh, the old Cholo Unuterismo, the 1-0 victory that Cholo used to absolutely love. Now it's become Xavi's uh, favourite result. And it was, once again, as you say, João Felix with a goal and Iñaki Peña with some vital, spectacular saves towards the end to keep his clean sheet. Um, and as it stands then, Barca, four points off the top and three clear of Atletico. So they give themselves a chance to keep fighting for the title. Yeah, in Barca's case, I think that there was a much higher level of need in, in this game, whereas for Atletico have been so far uh, excelling in plenty of, of games this, this season. So maybe I think that the that neediness by Barca uh, showed, especially in the first half, I think that the motivation was uh, off the charts, especially for Joao Felix and a couple of other players. And, and you could see in the first half, uh, maybe Lewandowski with a bit of anxiety in order to, to try and score uh, because he he hasn't had the the best season so far, but yeah, overall I think that Barca were uh, dominating in in the first uh, the first half hour was absolutely theirs with uh, a brief 
a couple of, of very, very clear chances for them until Joao Felix was able to, to score uh, the opener, which was ultimately the, the goal which allowed them to, to pick up the three points. And Atleti were outpaced, I believe, uh, because they saw how ball possession was snatched from them and Barca had their things, you know, very, very clear at this point. I think that it was maybe one of the games which Xavi has prepared uh, better this this season, both in La Liga and in the Champions League, and it showed especially in the first half. But then, as you said, things uh, changed dramatically in the second half. Barca, maybe because of the you know tiredness, uh, performance, stamina, I don't know, they slowly became uh, a much more counter offense side because Atleti were just charging ahead, trying to generate some danger. Uh, Griezmann was becoming a much more relevant protagonist in the in the second half, and that's when Iñaki Peña just uh, became massive in in a couple of of big saves in in the last few minutes. Um, you know he had a, a like a handball um, uh, sports. I'm talking about the sport, not the action uh, save <laughs> to Memphis in the I believe the last minute or the last few minutes, and also that uh, set piece that uh, libre directo, which he was able to just scratch from the angle uh, when the goal was already you know inside, and and that save was one of the most spectacular of the weekend, and I think it's pretty remarkable the fact that uh, the youngster, the, the young keeper, is performing so well with uh, some very big shoes to fill as Ter Stegen. So uh, Barca missed quite a few clear chances in the last 15-20 minutes. I think that they had a couple of very clear counters with uh, Lamin Yamal not really choosing the best option. Uh, also Lewandowski wasn't really on target tonight. Also Ferran. I don't know. Barca could have scored the second one in at any moment in the last 15-20 minutes, but they didn't. So that kept the suspense till till the end. But ultimately, you know, the three points were uh, remained in, in Montjuic, which is uh, very relevant for Barca, very important, because if they want to keep up with both Real Madrid and Girona's, uh, Girona's space, I think that they just can't let any single point to fly away from, from their games. Indeed. And Atletico do have a game in hand, but they are seven points off the top spot. Um, so, yeah, they'll they'll need to be almost perfect from here to, to be in the fight. But uh, stranger things have happened. Uh, moving on then, uh, we had a, the biggest result of the weekend came at San Mamés. And I mean, we know Marta, um, we know that uh, Ernesto Valverde's side are, are scoring a lot of goals for fun uh, this season, but they're up against the Rayo side that had, had drawn at the Bernabeu and had held Barca last weekend too, or a couple of weekends ago. But uh, Athletic ran riot and beat them 4-0. Paco, how impressive was this? Very, very impressive. I think that Rayo which are maybe one of the teams with more pace in in La Liga. They, they usually don't have pacing issues, you know, and are not sluggish when whenever playing the, the ball. They were just outpaced and outrun by, by Athletic Club, which are flying at this point. And, and actually, you were speaking about Atletico Madrid earlier. They should, um, as we often say in our uh, La Liga Lowdown chat, Ojo with Athletic Club because they are only three points away from Atletico Madrid. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, La Liga is becoming suddenly much more uh, interesting in in those, uh, you know, teams fighting for, for the Champions League spots. We have said uh, again and again this season so far that uh, that fourth place is going to be up for grabs. 
Uh, but, you know, I didn't imagine that Girona was going to be so far away from Atletico at this point. So Atletico shouldn't relax and, and should keep winning uh, if they really want to uh, stick to their top four tradition every single year. Whereas for Athletic Club, you know, this game was was almost perfect in, in every single way with Guruceta scoring the opener very, very early in the game. Uh, later, when Pacha Espino scored a, uh, the own goal for, for Rayo, I think the, the game was over, but uh, Athletic Club had fun in the second half with both the, the Williams brothers scoring one goal apiece and, you know, Valverde enjoying the game from, from the sidelines, the fans enjoying the hell out of the, the win. Overall, everything went well for Athletic Club. Everything went crashing down for um, Rayo Vallecano and, you know, they will have to adjust a couple of things in order to, to improve their performance because uh, they surprised many, many fans at the opening five, six games. But Rayo have, you know, dipped their, their level in the last few games. So they have to improve quite a lot in order to, to be up to the Royal Antics. Yeah, Nico Williams celebrating his new contract with that goal. And as you say, Rayo have been hard to score against for, for a number of weeks since that 7-0 against Atleti back in August. But this was quite a thumping for them. Um, your club, Paco Valencia, they went to Montelivi to take on the, the co-leaders. And it was going well because Hugo Duro put them ahead in the 56th minute. But of course, Girona are the kings of the comeback. And it was that man, Christian Stuani, who turned the game around for them and uh, gave Girona yet another three points to keep pace with Real Madrid at the top of the table. Como siempre. Chacouto vuelve a remachar el uruguayo para poner patas arriba la casa del líder. Ya no es un sueño, es una realidad. Yeah, I think it's always a pity when you see a team as young as as Valencia, uh, who they you know they give their hundred percent and their absolute best in in every single game. At least they try, you know, most of the time, and you see them, you know coming crashing and burning uh, thanks to the fact that the squad isn't as deep as, you know, the standard team in La Liga. Uh, there's a massive problem, you know, from the get-go for Valencia this season um, because most of the squad is made up, made up of youngsters coming through the ranks from the under-19, so the B-side or the B-team. And actually that makes uh, subs coming in the second halves very, very tough for Ruben Baraja. And in this case, I think the 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 game plan was uh, going smoothly for Baraja because the objective was, was trying to keep uh, Girona at bay on the offense and, you know, uh, take advantage of a single chance or a couple of single chances throughout the game. And that's exactly what, Valen what Valencia were doing with that uh, Hugo Duro goal, taking advantage of a mistake at the back by by Girona and you know at this at that point in the game uh it was everything set for Valencia to you know just take advantage of another counter and score the second one and call it a day but you know Valencia did their performance because of the you know just tiredness of the of the starting players and the main issue with Valencia is that the the players coming in from the bench are not at the same level so subs were done late 
by Baraja because he doesn't really trust the the bench. Whereas for Girona, you know, they had the chance of uh, giving some confidence to Jan uh, Couto, uh, for example, on the wing. And as you said, Christian Stuani coming off the bench. Um, but Dobbik was left as number nine. So Girona were playing with two number nines, two true pure number nines, Dobbik and, and Stuani, and they took advantage of having so many people inside the the box. Jan Koto was able to take advantage on a play on the run on, on the wing. His his cross was excellent, and Stuani scored the the, the leveler. He leveled the game, and later uh, he took advantage of uh, a Cristiano Mosquera own, own goal to turn things around. And they had more chances, but, you know, uh, Mamardas really was uh, quite uh, proficient throughout the game. All in all, uh, at this point, Girona seem unstoppable at Montilivi. I think that they feel very, very confident. And also, they've seen a couple of uh, sold-out uh, crowds in attendance in the last few games. And that shows the level of confidence and hope which is uh, running around Girona's fan base. So, overall, a pity for Valencia because they uh, tried their best and they were very close to, to surprise everyone, but Girona at this point are absolutely almighty, especially when playing at home. Indeed, still the highest scorers in the division. Well, the team that are top on goal difference is Real Madrid. Um, they're playing against Granada's side who are still stuck in the bottom three. First game under their new coach, of course. Um, Paco, it was a fairly uh, run-of-the-mill victory for Madrid and Rory Barlow was at the Bernabeu so he gave us his thoughts on that game. This was not a game that will live long in the memory for either Real Madrid fans or Granada fans or the man behind my shoulder who made two noises during the match. One was applause, the other was yawning before he promptly left in the 80th minute. But it was a win for Real Madrid and three more points to put the pressure back on Barcelona ahead of their game against Atleti. And if there's two things that can be taken away from this from Real Madrid, first of all, it has to be Brian Diaz, who was not only in sensational form, but is sustaining the creativity of this Real Madrid attack right now. You have Rodrigo, who's obviously in flying form. You have Jude Bellingham. But the fact that they can call on Brian as an extra resource, somebody who's fresh, who's sharp, and seems to find an angle for every pass or an angle for every run, He's calm on the ball and he's poised and his presence during this game made it a lot easier for the Real Madrid side that despite dominating and despite almost seemed seeming to come forward at ease, weren't really altogether that creative. They missed one or two chances, but overall Brahim was the star of the show for me in a game that, as I say, was defined more by Granada, as I'll come on to than Real Madrid necessarily and the other thing is that what a luxury it is to have a player like Fede Valverde if you're missing Eduardo Camavinga or Elian Chouamini two of the best pivots two of the best deeper midfielders in the world and then you can rely on Fede Valverde to come in and not only hold his own defensively but I don't think we can really talk about his passing as kind of below a level from his colleagues right now I mean he's probably not quite as incisive as Tuamini or Kroos, but he kept the moves flowing, he knew exactly where to be, he moved well, and he found his teammates with quite a few switches, and the fact that he's there and he's able to fill in and slot into that role, and Tony Kroos and Valverde were able to control this game, it's it's tremendous news for Real Madrid, because in theory, that is supposed to be a weakness, and perhaps 
it was more to do with Granada, but so far, so very good for Fede Valverde. Alexander Medina, you come into the job, the Granada job, and you have a game against the Real Madrid at the Bernabeu, who are under strength, who are missing eight players. And if I had to sum them up in one word, it would be passive. I don't recall them having a shot. They may well have done, but it certainly didn't feel like it. And they really didn't put any pressure on Real Madrid at all. I mean, they had some nice pieces of interplay, but this was a side that not only looks like they were playing Real Madrid, but looked as if they didn't have any belief that they could get anything out of this game. And yes, okay, we shouldn't judge Medina off Real Madrid, and we'll get more of an idea of what he's about down the line. But it was a very, very disappointing performance from Granada, who perhaps gave Real Madrid the least difficulty this season, in my view. Thanks, uh, Rory, for that. Uh, That's all we've got time for in part one. But when we come back, we'll review the rest of the weekend's action. Stay with us. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back to La Liga Lowdown. We had a fantastic encounter at the Ramon Sanchez Pizjuan on Sunday evening. Sevilla up against Villarreal. Two new managers this season. For one, it hasn't been going so well at all. Of course, Diego Alonso. But for Villarreal, everything Martino has touched so far has turned to gold. But they weren't able to win this game in controversial circumstances. Uh, Sevilla took the lead late in the game. Kike Salas in the 75th minute. El Comandante Morales equalised just a couple of minutes after that. His seventh goal in Marcelino's four games, uh, seven of the nine, have been scored by Jose Luis Morales. They thought they had a winner, though, Paco, but no. 
I think they were absolutely stolen, you know. So I'm sorry for for Sevistas listening to to the podcast, but I think that the VAR, uh, you know, showed uh, Villarreal the short end of the stick with with this call, both VAR and the and the referee, uh, because Ben Breton's goal was absolutely legal in my book. I think that um, you know the the defender tripped himself, and I don't know what the the ref was watching over at the at the screen, but uh, definitely it wasn't a, a goal to be disallowed. I think that the call was absolutely rubbish. So I understand Martelino, who was very, very angry after the game. I also understand Diego Alonso, who, you know, just moonwalked his way out of the question when he was asked about this because he didn't really want to speak about it. But yeah, Villarreal fans are uh, right to be very angry about what happened. But again, you know, this kind of uh, scoreline doesn't really help anyone, especially Sevilla, who were playing at home. And, you know, they were on top for a couple of minutes before Morales was able to uh, score the uh, the goal, which leveled the, the scoreline with a bit of luck, by the way, with a rebound inside the, the box, which left uh, the easy tapping for El Comandante. As you said, he's become a, a crucial player for, for Marcelino in his first couple of games as, as uh, Villarreal's manager. And I think that bringing him back from the proverbial dead, because Morales didn't count for both Kike Setien at the beginning and, and later with the following manager. I think that Martino was smart enough to just deliver some confidence to Morales and his, uh, you know, answering back in in pure El Comandante fashion. So, yeah, overall, interesting game. Uh, plenty of neediness from both sides. And, yeah, Villarreal are a bit more you know, relaxed in this sense because they managed to, to pull off a couple of positive results in the last couple of weeks and they are uh, already looking down on the on the relegation spots from afar, whereas for Sevilla are just unable to win a single game under uh, Diego Alonso, who is the worst revulsivo, you know, the worst <laughs> the worst change in, yeah. in the bench, I believe, uh, in, the, in the whole 21st century for, for Sevilla because... In his first six uh, games, I believe he hasn't won a single one. So for a team as big as Sevilla, that is just unacceptable. Yeah, his only win uh, at Sevilla so far came in the Copa against six-tier side. So yeah, yeah, every every game against the equivalent level team has been either a draw or a defeat. And of course, the Champions League hopes hanging by a thread after that dramatic defeat in midweek, which of course you spoke about with Rory. Mm. Um, on to the next game, a uh, different kind of 1-1, but... A one that equally doesn't really favour anybody. Real Sociedad went to El Sadar and found themselves 1-0 down very early on. Uh, Moy Gomez taking advantage of uh, Ante Budimir's assist to open the scoring. Umar Sadiq continued his uh, little boost of form as he equalised before half-time. But it stayed 1-1 and leaves Real Sociedad uh, two points off Atletico in fifth and a whole five behind Atletico in fourth. So... For all the good work they're doing in the Champions League itself, hmm. they're going to struggle to qualify for it again, aren't they? Yeah, because uh, you know there are many teams, uh, and uh, and the Champions League spots are up for grabs, especially the fourth. Uh, we'll see what happens with with Girona, but uh, if Girona keep this this form, I think that the top four um, uh, spots are going to be more or less. Already, uh, already um, delivered before the the first round of games is is over and uh, and we get to to January, uh, but yeah, they need to keep fighting for that and they have Umar Sadik as their secret weep- weapon because the, last season um, Sadik was injured in his 
first or second game as a Real Sociedad player and he spent the whole season out for that injury, a knee injury, and he's slowly coming back and he has been massive for Real Sociedad in the last couple of games. I think that Imanol Aguacil wanted to give him minutes slowly and the way he erupted just a, a couple of days ago with with that amazing goal. Also, the, the, the one he scored against Osasuna was, was brilliant with the left foot uh, strike into the angle. I don't know, he has, he has quality, he has space. He's a great striker. I think that he excelled back in the day when he was playing for, for Almeria and and he should do very, very well and be the perfect, uh, you know, the perfect uh, assistant or the perfect complement in this case to other uh, different strikers like, uh, you know, Oyarzabal and, and so on. Um, whereas for, I don't know, uh, Osasuna, they are in a current mm. slump of form. Um, yeah. After doing so well last season, I think that they are just unable to keep the standards as high as last season, which to some people might seem disappointing, but I think that the whole Sasuna fan base really know what the, what they do have and what they, you know, aspire to, to become. And the way to go is just getting to 40 as quickly as possible, 40 points. In order to do that, they will need to win more games at El Sadar, who back in, which back in the day was a stronghold and, and nowadays it isn't. So, yeah, they will come around. I think that they will uh, improve. Um, you know, they have Diago Barrasate, which is, which is an, an absolutely amazing manager. And eventually they will win games once again as, as the as the home side. But at this point, you know, Real Sociedad is a Champions League contender. It was a very, very uh, balanced si- uh, game. So overall, one point apiece was, was fair. Yeah, only two sides have taken fewer points at home than Osasuna. So you're absolutely right to point that out. Um, they are in a bit of a slump, but uh, we'll see what uh, Jago Barasate can do to avert that decline. Uh, Friday night saw Las Palmas take on Getafe in a very much uh, one of purists versus anti-football heroes. Uh, Las Palmas against Getafe, uh, Pimienta against Pepe Bordalas. And it went the way of the purists. Uh, Las Palmas winning 2-0. Uh, Julian Araujo scored his first goal for the, in La Liga and then rounded off late in the piece uh, through Christian Herrera. Uh, Getafe were down to 10 uh, for much of that second half. Paco, did, uh, what did you make of this game? Not quite champagne football from Getafe this week. No, it wasn't. But uh, at the same time, I think that uh, maybe the red card for uh, Alderete was a bit too harsh. You know, in in my book, there were a couple of reds this this weekend. They also the Bellerin one in the in the Betis game. I think they they were a bit too harsh. They might be they might be, uh, you know, a by the book red. But I think that the referees shouldn't be as strict in in a number of calls because they just uh, shoot down the the whole game you know uh, and in this case Getafe were just unable to come back after the the opening goal by Las Palmas in the in the latter minutes of the of the first half because uh you know it was the second or third minute of the of the second half when Alderete was sent off so uh they became um you know just a puppet at uh, Las Palmas's mercy uh, they had a goal disallowed for an offside and ultimately Cristian Herrera was the one to, to polish the game in the injury time. So yeah, Las Palmas were very comfortable playing against a 10-man uh, side. Bordalas was just unable to to shake things up in the second half. So yeah, I spoke earlier this week in the premium podcast, midweek premium podcast for subscribers. By the way, guys, you should subscribe 
to our Patreon for a fiver a month. If you haven't done yet, uh, I'm very, very disappointed that you don't make Paco sad, please. Uh, I <laughs> talked about the the excellent run by uh, Bordalas's uh, Getafe in the last two months. They were just mm. unbeaten and um, unstoppable. And yeah, Paco spoke about them and they lost the following game. That often <laughs> happens quite a lot. So yeah, unlucky for Bordalas. And Garcia Pimienta was happy because he did win and also he did in the style that he really favours. Yes, and it allowed Las Palmas to move above Getafe, and they are now eighth, only four points off the European spot. So if it wasn't for Girona, we'd really be talking about Las Palmas as the revelation team of the season. Already six wins, 21 points after just 15 games. It looks as if they're going to survive pretty comfortably, so hats off to them. Uh, final couple of games to review before we move on to a couple of other bits and pieces. There were two nil-nil draws. You, you mentioned the red card for Bayer in there. Almeria... Almeria, on the face of it, holding better to a nil-nil is a pretty decent result for them. But of course, uh, they need wins big time. And of course, Mallorca Alaves, probably one of the most nil-nils possible uh, you could have predicted uh, between these two sides. Mallorca just cannot, they just cannot seem to get anything going, especially at home this season. So yeah, two nil-nils, which for many different reasons and teams, none of them are going to be happy with that. But probably Alaves is the most content of, of all four clubs, I would suggest. Yeah, whenever they go on the road, uh, picking up a point is positive for uh, Luis Garcia, which is uh, enjoying one of the best moments of, of Alaves after coming up from, from second division. They are mid-table, you know, in a pretty relaxed spot, whereas for Mallorca are still very needy. You know, the, the patience being shown by Mallorca is bored to, um, you know, Javier Aguirre has been pretty remarkable, but... If they don't win games, that patience is going to be cut short at some point. So, yeah, it was a boring game, uh, very balanced, few chances here and there. Uh, doubts in, in Mallorca, when when, when Richie doesn't score, it seems nobody is able to do that, even yeah. Abdon Prats and so on. But yeah, uh, let's see what happens with, with Mallorca. If they aren't able to win at home, they are going to struggle quite a lot this year. Whereas for the Almeria-Betis nil-nil game, uh, the Bellerin's red card was... Harsh, but at the same time avoidable because the challenge was mm, a bit nasty uh, and it really hobbled Betis's chances very, very early. And later, Almeria was just unable to score off target many times. And also, when they were accurate, uh, Ruiz Silva was there to, you know, to make some uh, great saves. So overall, I think that Pellegrini was, even though he wasn't happy with Bellerin, he was happy with the outcome of the game. Indeed. Um, yeah, another disappointing uh, result, really, on the back of their, their defeat in midweek against Sparta Prague. So a bit of work for Betis to do uh, in the European front. Yeah, Mallorca, the, the draw specialist, eight draws this season out of 15 games, more than any other side in La Liga. Monday night sees an absolutely crucial game at Balaidos mm-hmm. as Celta in 18th host Cadiz in 17th. Just three points separate them. So Celta... Were they to win, would really drag Mallorca and Cadiz right into trouble. Uh, but Paco, we're going to finish with a bit of international chat because we had the draw for the European Championships in Germany next summer and Spain, having worked hard to get themselves in pot one, ended mm-hmm. up getting the group of death anyway. <laughs> El Grupo de Muerte. Uh, they got Croatia, Albania and Italy. So Paco, what's your reaction to that group? Well, I think that uh, Italy are going to, you know, try to come out with guns blazing after missing the the last World Cup, which was one of the most dishonorable events for for Italian football in quite a while, and uh, they are going to be sure, uh, um, you know, immense and very very tough foe to to beat. 
Croatia back in the day. I remember 2016, also in another Euro when Luka Modric's Croatia were able to beat Spain to submission and, you know, eventually kick them out of the of the tournament and also Albania. So, yeah, exactly not the best draw for Spain, even though my policy always in these kind of tournaments is that if you want to get as far as possible and if you want to be a real championship contender, you have to face absolutely everyone. So, yeah, Italy and nobody wanted them. Uh, it was, uh, you know, Spain's unlucky draw, uh, the one to, to get them picked out. So, yeah, we'll have to... Just pray that every single one of the players gets fit to that uh, to that tournament. Unfortunately for Spain, I think that Gabi is going to be one you know huge blow in the midfield. But yeah, let's go for the best. I think that Spain have the quality and have the team the, in order to to beat all of these sides in a single game. Uh, definitely, it would be a you know a tragedy if Spain are unable to move on to the next round. But uh, it's going to be trickier than than expected. Indeed, but that's uh, a long way in the future for now. It's uh, Copa del Rey round midweek again, so we'll have uh, plenty of chat in the midweek pod about all of that and then looking ahead to match day 16 as we are into December. So, Paco, it's nearly Christmas. Um, thank you for joining yeah. us tonight. Uh, it's been a pleasure. <laughs> it's been a pleasure too. Unfortunately for me, I were, were just was just unable to set up the, the Christmas tree this weekend. But I expect the following one to be able to do that because if not, uh, you know, we'll be soon into the 25th and all the work will be still to be done. So, yeah, uh, unfortunately for, for my Christmas tree, Valencia's defeat just uh, conditioned my, my mood uh, throughout the whole weekend. So let's hope that the following one against Getafe, Valencia-Getafe, is a bit better. Indeed. Well, listeners, make sure you subscribe and upgrade to get all the updates on Paco's Christmas prep. And as he said earlier... Don't make Paco sad. So thanks for listening and we'll speak to you again soon. Adios. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 